Hi, everyone. Welcome to episode number three of Lead at Work and at Home. Today is an honor for me to share with you an interview that I did with my dad, Fred Greenberg. Fred is the founder of Fred's Camp, a summer camp that he started at the age of 50 in 1994. Pretty cool story. Hope you enjoy the show. I'm congratulating you for figuring out the technology. You and mom must have studied this. Is this your first podcast? No, this, yes. This definitely is my first podcast. Have you ever listened to a podcast? Yes, I have. Which podcast have you listened to? I listened to yours. Oh, well, thank you very much. Did you leave a five-star review? I left a 10-star review. Oh, that's so nice. And Dad, I have to ask you a very important question. How's the golf game going? Well, yesterday I shot a 91. So I've golfed with you and your friends. When you say 91, is it fair to say that it's really a 96 or a 97? Because I've seen you guys. No, Hang on. Absolutely I... not, because I counted every stroke, <laughs> every putt I, I had to put in. But I've seen you guys do the little three-footers and say, no, I'll give no, it to you. I put them all in. Okay, if you say so. All right, well, I am I hit really – very well. I am really excited, Dad, to have you here. You and I have obviously talked about this for a very long time, but I'm excited to get your voice and really listen and hear some of the wisdom that I think you can bring. And I just kind of want to take a step back and begin with the story of how Fred's Camp evolved and what was the inspiration behind starting it? That's, you know, we were just taught, your mother and I were talking about that uh, the other day. This started, your grandmother, Grandma Flo, who I love dearly, had just died. I was turning 50, and during the Shiva time, I went to your mother and said, I'm going to try to get space at the Paul. I want to start my own camp. Life's too short. I don't want to be when I'm 70, thinking, why didn't I try? Uh, it had been a dream of mine since I was a kid to run my own camp, and we took a chance. Through some trials and tribulations, we made it through, and it became very successful. When you talk about trials and tribulations, there was a lawsuit, correct? Yes, there was. And we don't have to go into this in depth, but you were accused of stealing. You were accused of taking a list of names and misappropriating them. How did you manage and how did you go through? And then I, I just also want to add that you won the you won the court case very clearly. The judge, Albert Green, and you can find this on record, said, and I quote, I can no longer issue Fred. I can no longer have a restricted covenant on Fred Greenberg as I could the Pied Piper of Hamlin. So you referred to as a Pied Piper of Hamlin. Can you take me through how you felt during that whole time that you were being accused of these really awful things? Well, it, it, Mark, it was a very interesting time of my life because I originally tried to settle with them. I had worked for this agency and they brought these charges against me. And it was a lot of stress, uh, a lot of sleepless nights. And testifying on the stand was not easy. But I remember, and I still have the letter that you gave me, 
don't give up, keep going, we're going to win. And I did nothing wrong. Um, they accused me of many, many things. I was on in the newspaper. I was on television news, radio news, and it was really terrible. And it was a great strain, but the end result was well worth it. Dad, I appreciate you sharing that note, but I don't know if I actually wrote that thing. Is it possible it was something different? No, you wrote me a note. <laughs> All right. And I remember this like it was yesterday. You were headed to court and you were going to settle. And I put a note Correct. in your wallet and the note was actually taken from the movie Major League. Is it starting to ring a bell now? Oh, yeah. Sometimes you have to win. But I'm not going to say what else you have to win. <laughs> I'll say it then. There's just one thing left to do when the whole fucking thing. And that note has been carrying with you in your wallet now for how many years? Yeah, 30 years. 30 years. Pretty cool. But, Dad, why a summer camp? Out of all the things that you could have done in your life, what was it about a summer camp that made you want to move forward with it? Well, I had started... Uh, working with with kids in programs since I was 15, volunteering at a boys club. Then I, became, I worked at an overnight camp as a counselor. And my degree was in physical education, which I loved. I taught for 36 years at the same school. When I retired, they named the gym after me, which was the biggest professional honor I ever had. And I had worked in camps and with kids most of my life. And it was just something I wanted to be the one making the decisions. I didn't want to work for anyone else anymore. If I was going to make mistakes, wonderful, then I could be the one to correct those mistakes. And working with kids, in my opinion, when you give something back to children, it is one of the greatest things that any individual can give another. Making and to see kids at camp smile and laugh, and kids of all different denominations, Jewish, black, white, Hispanic, uh, Arabic, it didn't matter. All they wanted was, will you be my friend? And that's all camp was meant to be, is to bring children together, have fun, learn, to be more independent, learn how to share. And those were the goals that I've always had in my life. And that's where it went. I feel that with any service industry, you always only see the highlight reel, the things are going well. Can you talk about some of the challenges you had to endure over the time that you were running and leading camp? Well, sure, you know, when you have buses, when you have buses, that's always a problem. They'll run late. Is there an accident? Do they get lost? Uh, with staff, you hope that your staff will be professional every day. And for the most part at Fred's camp, I think they were. Uh, you make mistakes. And when you start out, you make mistakes. You might have the wrong program. Uh, it doesn't work. You got to be prepared to switch quick, quickly into another program. 
you might have had did a bad hire. That happens. And but over the time and over through years, you learn to look at someone and you can pretty tell. You can tell very much so how they're going to react in the situation with kids. And I would say once you have the experience, when you're sitting across with someone, you'll know if they'll work out or not work out. And that's about 90% accurate. And you just have to go with the feel and how you feel and hire, you know, as you tell the staff, I can teach you how Fred's camp works. I can teach you where to go. I can give you activities. But if you don't like children, this is the wrong place for you to be. You shouldn't be working here. And we would say that at orientation, inevitably we would have two or three counselors that would leave because they would come later and say, you know what, this is gonna be too hard. I don't enjoy children that much that I wanna put in this much energy. But you learn that through experience. Is is mom playing with dishes in the background, Dad? Yes. Yes. Your mother is interfering. Yes. <laughs> she uh, apologizes. That's okay. Um, so interesting though, Dad, you chose a for-profit business, but you've always said that you're a for-profit business with a social service mentality. What is, what is that, what exactly does that mean? Well, to me, it means that the, the child is more important than the amount of money that child would generate. Uh, now, I'm not that altruistic that I didn't want to make a living. Absolutely, I did. But my goal was to make sure, and it hurt me if a child was not happy at camp. Uh, I would have my phone on all hours. They, people called me 11 o'clock at night, didn't bother me. We would answer the phone on the weekends. And my goal was if we had 400 kids in camp, 500 kids in camp, I wanted all 500 to love camp and be happy. Realistically, you know that's not possible because every child is different and maybe the, the activities and goals that we had were not fit for them. But we ran it when I, we, when I was running the camp. We did run it more like a social service agency. We would help parents. We would call uh, parents to give them any help they might have if they're having difficulty with their children. If they're having difficulty at camp, call at any time. And we were available to them, similar to a social service agency. And I was very proud of that. There are not many for-profit camps that act in that way. And Dad, we spent zero money on advertising. How do you go in 1994 to 25, 50 kids, where you're probably in the red, to growing to probably be the most popular camp in the city of Chicago? Well, what you do, it's word of mouth. You give a quality program. You have quality staff. The administrators, and, and this, I think, you have the same ones with you now. They have been with us anywhere from almost 30 years down to 10, 15, 20 years. And the continuity of our philosophy has carried through. 
And when you do that, people appreciate it. They respect you. And they know that you will always be honest with them. And we always have been. If we screw up, we tell them we made a mistake. We will correct it. And I think that's been my philosophy since I started this camp. We make mistakes. We correct our mistakes. But we own up to our mistakes. And we want our staff to be that way. And we want to be professional the entire way. To be honest, forthright, and caring and giving to the children that we serve. We are one of the few family businesses left. Can you talk a little bit about what it mean, what it means or what it meant to you to go through this with, with your wife, my mom, who ended up literally learning a whole new system. She quit her job as well. My sister, Jody, who we're now co-owners. How does that feel to know that you were able to develop uh, your family members and work alongside them? It's wonderful uh, that you and your sister have a viable business now and you're doing a terrific job. Uh, you're, and you were correct about your mother. She learned how to use the computer. She learned how to set everything up. You know, when we first started, your mother would write down on a piece of paper with when money would come in. And then when they sent another deposit, she'd erase that and put down the other deposit until her cousin from Ireland told her to use the computer. And she got a computer and started using it. And your mother was fantastic. And we had our, our business was set up. I ran the program and your mother ran the financial end. And we never stepped on each other's toes. Uh, you and your sister have a great working relationship now. You, you know, your sister started when she was 13. You started when you were 13, 14. And you guys were with me the entire way. You saw it grow. You grew as a person to one who was not always doing what he was supposed to. Whoa, whoa, whoa. To slow, one who now slow is down. very, very responsible. <laughs> Dad, how many times do you think you fired me? Well, I would I say 10 or 15. No, come on. That's and I would you never mother fired. And mother said I'm on the line with Mark. <laughs> he said he was fired. But you grow, you grew up into a very mature man who understands what it takes to be successful well thank you've you learned Dad. from me and you've learned from others things you have read and your own emotional and social development down through the years has taught you how to run camp to get out of the staff what they need what you need to work well with others that's very important uh, you and your sister do the same thing. Jody has learned learned from your mother what to do. She learned working in camp. And it makes me very proud as a father <clears throat> to see both my children doing such a successful job. In fact, probably doing a better job than I've ever done. Well, thank you. One of my favorite memories of growing up, Dad, and I mean this sincerely is from 1994 to about 2018 until you really took a step back 
you and I would meet every morning during the summer at 6.30 in the morning. And I think that is probably, as I look back on growing up, my best memories of you as a father. Well, thank you. And we're right. We used to meet. And when, uh, what's his name? Jerry, what was the coach's name? Jerry Wainwright. Yes. Remember, Jerry used to meet us in the morning. And he would talk. I mean, it's... It's a wonderful business we have, Mark. It's a wonderful business that we nurtured. Uh, what's wonderful to me is that the name is still highly thought of. When I came by this uh, last summer and I saw some of the old staff people, old campers with their children and the hugs and the way they reacted how much fun camp was for them best memories they had as a child there's nothing you know all the money in the world cannot make you happy if professionally you're not fulfilled and in my case i was professionally i was truly fulfilled the memories that i have the people i work with you can't no amount of money can replace that feeling when I think back to the wonderful times that camp has meant. That's amazing, really. So much of my generation, Dad, I think is struggling with what you just said, just feeling stuck, having jobs that do provide yeah. money for families, but don't have that fulfillment. What advice would you give anyone who's middle age? Oh, we're, we're having a dance party. What yeah. advice would you give anyone who's middle-aged in a very similar spot that you were in when you were turning 50 and how to go after your dreams and make sure that you well, do everything you can? I think what you, you have to do, in my opinion, sometimes you have to, as you said, you just have to say, what the fuck? I'm going to go do it. And I hope I'll be successful. I got the tools. And if I don't, I'll figure out something else. Sometimes you have to believe in yourself. You really have to think, I have the tools, I have the ability, and I have the support of family and friends. And then go for it and do what you can. And might it not work? Absolutely. There's a chance it wouldn't. I mean, when I started camp, I, we could have fallen flat on our face. But I believed in myself. I believed in the other people working with me. We took a chance and we built a wonderful business. And any young people today, well, with this pandemic, things are different than they were then. And hopefully this will be taken care of. You just have to believe in yourself. You have to believe I have the tools, I have the support, and I'm going to do it. And that's what I would say to do. Dad, were there ever times, though, when cause I feel that going after your dreams, something has to give. And sometimes I think family is the thing that unfortunately has to take a back seat. Were there ever times during your journey where you had to put your family as a secondary part of your life? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there were times even before that, when your mother and I were first had children, I had I was working uh, two or three jobs. And I wouldn't get home till 10 o'clock. I wouldn't get home till 10 o'clock at night. 
and your mother had to take care of the kids, had to do everything. So on the weekends, if I wasn't working, I would take it. Remember, we used to go to breakfast all the time. Oh, yes. Yes. And I remember, remember what you did at breakfast? Can we say that on the podcast? Breakfast? Yeah, we can say breakfast. I think we can't say the word fuck, but breakfast is no. perfectly okay. You remember what you did when we went one day to breakfast? What I did? Yes. Dad, I was probably three years old. Anything no, you I were five. What did I do? I had a gold chain on my neck. And you kept pulling on it. I said, Mark, stop it. It's going to break. You pulled it and it broke. And I got real angry. And I think I was yelling. I was really upset. And you, as a five-year-old, looked at me, raised your hands up in the air and said, Dad, we're going to breakfast. Let's have a good time. That's good. That's really good. That's very You were very good. Very talented. Yeah. But yes, there were times you have to put your family. I wouldn't come home. Some days I'd go to camp. I'd get there at 6 in the morning. I wouldn't leave till 6.37 at night. And, and you, you don't get to spend as much family time. The difference that I had, and one of the advantages that I loved, you and your sister were with me every day. You were at camp with me. And that was funny, either working or a couple of years you were campers. If you had to go back, Dad, and do something different, what would you say? The only thing I think, I wasn't ready at the time. I didn't have the confidence, but I think I would have liked to have tried to have been a lawyer. I think I really would have enjoyed it. Uh, helping people, but the, the the profession I've chosen and the one that I've lived my adult life, I think was the right one for me to be successful, uh, to serve people, to make people happy, and to see the joy on children's faces, knowing that I was a part of the reason they're so happy. So that's fulfilled me greatly. I mean, I'm 77 years old now. I hope I have a couple more years left. But to put it in baseball tone or baseball uh, symbolism, I'm probably might be in the eighth inning now. Well, and I'm going to be hoping for extra inning games. <laughs> yeah, except the new rule where they put a runner on second base and the game ends in 10. So, Dad, yeah, you need to go no. even – Shit, we should have a double header. Maybe you'll be like Ernie Banks. Um, but it's funny. Let's play too. You said that you wanted to be a lawyer. You know what your family thought you always wanted to be? What? A hairdresser? <laughs> a hairdresser, yeah. Well, you know what? That's not funny because I did enjoy it. I used to do your sister's hair. I would cut your hair, your sister's hair. I'd cut your nails. I believe, Dad, that you are the first metrosexual in Glenview that's ever, ever popped up. I might have been. Who knows? Um, all right. As we wrap up here, Dad, I just have a couple more questions. Okay. And I guess my first question is, you always talked about the importance of building relationships. And, and this podcast is really centered on those that work and lead companies and businesses, but then also have to go home and lead their families. What are some suggestions or some advice that you have for those that are trying to manage both sides of their lives? 
you know, that's a very hard question, and it's a very tough situation. Um, sometimes finances do play a, pay, a part in it, and finances can put a strain on any relationship. Uh, I think that you have to embrace the people around you and listen to what they say and accept what they say. And if in the he the if they're hurting in any way, and it's and on the other hand, you have to focus on what you want to do. To be successful, in my mind, you have to truly focus on what you want to accomplish. You cannot accomplish it half-assed. You have to go into it with everything you have going into it with all your energy. Now, as we were talking earlier, sometimes family has to be put on the side. If you're married, you have to hope that your spouse is understanding, uh, your family is understanding, because sometimes you will neglect them because you're trying something that you want to succeed at, and it's not always that easy. You want to give all your energy to it, but you still have to remember your family. They're the most important people, but you're doing it for yourself and your family. So it has to work in conjunction. And it's not always easy. It's hard. So on this show, I'm starting this tradition, and I'm calling this my Fast 30. I'm going to ask you a bunch of questions, and I want you to have the first thing that pops into your head. They're just going to be real simple questions. Are you ready for this? I'm ready. Are you sure? Oh, I can't wait. And, and please don't talk about pornography. Please. We don't want to have anything inappropriate, okay? Okay. All right, good. Favorite movie? Shane. Favorite TV show? Big Bang Theory. Best food? Steak. Lou Malnati's or Gino's Pizza? Luminati. Favorite athlete? Michael Jordan. Best book you've ever read? Uh, uh, that's, a, that's a tough one because I've read them all. Dad, this is a 30-second game here. I mean, come on. I, I need some help here. Uh, oh, He's the author, correct? Yes. Favorite vacation spot? St. Martin. Thing that you admire most about yourself? My ability to care for others. Something you wish you could change about yourself? Not be as stubborn. Oh, no. I don't. What are you talking about, Dad? And my final question is what is the best thing that you love about owning a business? The joy that it can bring to others. Awesome. Well, Dad, I. Anyone who heard this interview is, is going to walk away realizing the big shoes that I have to fill walking in your footsteps. And You will. I would not be here today on this side of the microphone and have the things I believe in without you. So I just can't thank you enough for everything that you've thank done you. for me and my family. Well, give, give everyone, give your family my love. And, and go on. <laughs> And no, I just want to thank you for joining me. Anything else you want to share? Do you want to share your email address or your LinkedIn page or your Twitter account? No, oh, wait, you don't I, have an email, LinkedIn, or Twitter. I'm sorry. No, 
I have a Twitter and Facebook. You're lying. I don't believe you at all. No, you're right. All right, Dad. Well, thank you so much for joining thank me. You, and I really appreciate all of the advice. And I will talk to you soon. Okay. Take care. All right. Thanks, Dad. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you so much for joining me today. I hope you enjoy the interview with my dad, Fred. If you're enjoying the show, the best way to support me would be to leave a review or share this with some friends. Self-promotion is definitely not my strength, so I really appreciate it as I continue to grow and build an audience. Thanks for tuning in and have a great week.